Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are talking about not a movie that's on Netflix, a movie that is on Hulu and is also in theaters right now. And that is Nomadland starring Frances McDormand. It is uh, getting some Oscar buzz, expected to be nominated for some awards, already has been nominated for Golden Globes and things like that. But when the Oscar nominations come out, it's expected to probably be somewhere on that list. So excited to talk about this one today. Definitely a different type of movie, a unique movie, I think I would say. Um, So kind of excited to delve into this one me too this movie i hadn't even heard of this until you suggested it i can definitely see why it would be an oscar darling though yes so we'll get Mm -hmm. into that in just a little bit here on the silver screen podcast we don't have too much news today the big kind of entertainment pop culture thing that happened this week was tiger woods getting into a car accident um, and having to go to the hospital basically and have emergency surgery done on um, numerous like leg uh, muscles and bones and things like that. So he's still in the hospital as of right now. We're recording this on Saturday, February 27th. So he's still currently in the hospital. Um, looked like a pretty bad crash. I mean, good that he is okay and still alive, but I, I don't know based on like his injuries, if he'll actually be able to play golf again or professional golf, I'm not sure. So, um, which would be kind of a bummer for him. Um, but glad that he's safe and nobody else else was in the car with him when it did roll over. Um, and glad the car was able to protect him from, from, you know, getting injured worse or possibly even dying, which would be, you know, obviously way worse than his injuries that he has right now. So, Absolutely. He I saw that that is a known crash destination like that's a dangerous area wherever he was. Um, I feel about uh, Tiger Woods. I hope this is okay to say similarly to the way I feel about Tom Brady. I don't admire them as a as a a person, maybe their personal choices, but I certainly respect how good he is at golf um, and how dedicated he is and what an athlete he is. But I'm very glad he's not dead. I know he has children to care for um, and he's still quite young. So I am glad he's okay. but I hope that um, the hospital that things turn out well. Yes. So, and I think I agree with you too. I don't know if he's had the best uh, run of things in his personal life per se, uh, because he's had a lot of things happen in his personal life that have not been super great, probably even more so than Tom Brady, honestly, Um, because even though we dislike Tom Brady, uh, he's just more arrogant, whereas Tiger has done like things like, you know, massive cheating scandal and abuse and all of that stuff. So um, yeah, best of luck to him in the hospital, you know, Um, but that was kind of the big story this week is that that happened, I think, last Tuesday or Monday or Tuesday, he got into that crash, Mm -hmm. but it was all over social media. So Best of luck to Tiger. And then we don't really have any other news, but one of Katie's friends that listens to the show uh, wrote us and said that she really enjoys the show and watched Knives Out, which is a past episode that we had done and had just some thoughts. Yes, my friend Mode, bonjour Mode. She is from France. We became really good friends. We worked at a hotel together for a couple years, and she loves the podcast. She wanted to let me know that she's been enjoying it, and she listens to it sometimes at work. And she sent me a really cool article because you and I loved Knives Out so much, Jared, and she did too. And she said she recently went back and listened to the episode, but she sent me an article that is on theatlantic.com. It was done previously, but the title is Knives Out is No Ordinary murder mystery. And it just tied into a lot of things that I've studied or looked at in this last year because it talks about Agatha Christie. And I had read an Agatha Christie book this past year. And it also talked about similarities with Knives Out to a lot of the Agatha Christie like way of of writing murder mysteries um, because she's passed away. So 
But anyway, it was a really good article, and I appreciated that she wrote in and that she's even supporting and listening to the podcast. And she also gave us a good suggestion for a possible future movie to review. So stay tuned if we do that. Very nice. So yeah, Knives Out is a great movie, one of our favorites the year that that came out. And if you like murder mysteries, and if you just like mystery movies in general, then that's probably one of the best that has come out in the past couple of years. So definitely, definitely. check that out if you have not seen that, because it's a good, it's a great movie. It's funny. It's got a good uh, story that'll keep you guessing the whole way through. So no corrections today on the show. Not really any, uh, not a ton of recommendations. I won't say any because we do have a few, but I finished the first season of survivor so cruised through that congratulations to richard who won season one of survivor not gonna put i knew that but i wasn't i wasn't gonna tell you but (laughs) i I actually did know that one i uh, did look up richard after the season was over and found out that uh, he got arrested for tax evasion on his survivor winnings so not the best life post survivor but you know it was interesting to watch now i'm on to season two which is in australia so we'll see who wins that one um i could look it up very easily but i Try not to read any spoilers about it. Luckily, nobody's talking about like season two of Survivor on social media or anything because it came out 20 years ago. So done a pretty good job of avoiding spoilers for that. So and then I still have been watching WandaVision. There's one episode left on Disney Plus, but that has still been a really solid show. If you like Marvel, definitely check that out. And if you want something that's a little different Marvel that's still based in superheroes and comic books, but has a little bit different tone than like the Marvel movies, then that's definitely one to watch. So. Excellent. I finally finished Schitt's Creek. I mean, I shouldn't even say finally. It took me maybe two weeks, maybe three. It's such a short episodes are so short. So they are. It was easy. It was easy to watch like in that time frame. But I loved the show. I get why people were sad when it was over. And I've I even watched they did like a special on Hulu. Was it Hulu? No, it was Netflix. They Netflix, did a special yeah. that was like 45 minutes after of just like, hey, this was our final season and kind of kind of docu style filming of the final season. So I even watched that. I did get around to watching the final to all the boys movie. I did think it was cute. Okay. I'm I'm glad we didn't review it just because I don't think there's a whole lot to say, but I did enjoy okay. it. Like I think it was a good wrap up to the little the three the trio. And my reading has slowed down tremendously. Like I'm embarrassed about I don't have any books to report on, but I am currently reading The Book of Longings by Sue Monk Kidd. And Jared, you and I have a mutual friend Jenna and she loved this book. Gave it a 5-star rating on Goodreads. And I I read her review cuz it didn't have spoilers. And I think I'm going to feel similarly about her where I'm going to love it because now I'm deep in it. But it took about 70 pages for me to start caring. But okay. this book is fascinating because it is there. The, it's a premise of if Jesus got married, which in this book he does. And this is Jesus. We're talking about like Christian Jesus that we hear about Jesus of Nazareth. Um, he marries this woman named, I think it's pronounced Anna, not Anna. Okay. But... Anyway, it is really interesting and it's not like blasphemous or anything. So if anybody's like, how dare somebody write a book like that? It is fascinating and I'm really enjoying it. But it was a very slow start for me. Okay. That's definitely an interesting concept for a book. I mean, not knowing really anything more about it, that just being a concept of Jesus got married and lived longer than, you know, when he was crucified. So that's interesting. Oh, sorry. I do think he dies and everything because she's even using past tense like I married or I was married to Jesus of Nazareth but 
I don't know how that's all going to go down. And it um, already there's a lot of similarities to the Bible, like Joseph and Mary are his parents. He does talk about God being his father, um, but he doesn't have objections to marriage. Like there's no talk of we can't do this. And Sue Monk Kidd is fascinating, too. She wrote uh, Secret Life of Bees, which was very popular as oh, well. Yep, yeah. she, she has a really good writing career. I mean, she's known for more than just that. But this book came out, it was a book of the month book in 2020, and it was super popular. And I think it was one of the finalists for best book of the year. But I had bought it and and just put it on the shelf. It seemed very intimidating to me because it's almost 500 pages long. But okay. now I'm about 150 pages in. So I'm going to see how much time I can devote tomorrow to getting it read on the weekend. We'll see. Very nice. And now that you've finished uh, Schitt's Creek, do you have a favorite character if you had to choose one? Oh, my gosh. I don't know that I can. I, it's tough. I, I do think it would be between David and Moira. Yeah. But that's... I love I, I feel similarities like I personally relate to Alexis, Moira and David for all different reasons. But there were things that they all did that I was like, oh, this is just like watching me <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in daily same life. Here. Yeah. I <laughs> but feel like- I love them all. I just, I, I was, the only thing I was a little sad with was Alexis's ending. I, yeah. she, she definitely grown a lot and I'm glad they didn't do anything unrealistic, but I also was a little sad for her. Yeah. I feel like that is the character that when the show starts out, you don't really like her very much. Mm-hmm. And then as the seasons go on, you, she kind of grows more into herself and like accepts yes. the fact that they're living in this small town and is able to form some like meaningful relationships and stuff. So I feel mm-hmm. like her character is probably, at least for me, is the one that like I was not a huge fan of in season one. But like when the show ends, I feel like you care for her more absolutely and i do love david david's probably my favorite character Um, yeah i think david is almost everyone's favorite but moira (laughs) is insane like there were things she did where i i was like oh i've done this before i've said that before but there are so many wacky things like her statement necklaces her accent that nobody even understands where it's from and i watched i've watched interviews with Catherine o'hara which also i love her because her name is Catherine. but she is so not wacky in real life that it's crazy to see that character come to life in the show. Yeah. And I feel like with you having done like some plays and, and some acting and things like that, like you're probably relate more to her character as well. So yes, because she, all, I mean, not, not saying you always want to be the star of the show, but like Moira always wants to be the star of the show. She like does. Wherever she is. So yes, <laughs> Life is a party. <laughs> yes, with Moira Rose, it sure is. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But if you haven't watched that on Netflix, check it out. A great little comedy. Episodes are really short, like we said. And all the seasons are on there now, so you don't have to wait for a new one to come out or anything. If you binged it, you would be able to finish the whole thing kind of pretty easily. So... With that, we will move into our review of Nomadland. This came out on February 19th. It what it did premiere at some film festivals. This had like a weird release schedule. I don't know if it was supposed to come out earlier, but like a lot of film festivals showed it last year as virtual mm-hmm. film festivals and things. Um, and then it just hit Hulu this past week. So and it's in the, it's in some theaters as well. So it is rated R for some full nudity. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Not super relevant to the story so this probably could have easily been a pg pg 13 movie honestly it's an hour and 48 minutes imdb is a 7.6 out of 10 and then rotten tomatoes critics 94 
audience 78. So audience a little bit more down on this movie. I feel like that could be part partly because of how the movie is shot and, and filmed. It almost kind of feels like it's more documentary. It also could be the marketing of the movie. I would say some, some of the marketing, some of the trailers and stuff make you think you're getting one type of movie and then the movie that you get is actually a little bit different than that so i feel like i could see how some people would be a little disappointed with that not saying it has a low score but when there's that much disparage a disparity between the critics and the audience that normally means that the you know it was either marketed weirdly or that the audience that they were going in getting this type of movie and they got a different type of movie so mm-hmm. box office wise five hundred and three thousand dollars total worldwide again it is playing in a few theaters it's only been out a week COVID's still going on, so I don't expect it. And it's kind of a niche movie, so I don't expect this to make like a killing at the box office. But every little bit they can get probably helps, um, even though this wasn't a super expensive movie, I don't think, to produce. So synopsis for this one is a woman embarks on a journey dur- through the American West after losing everything during the recession. So this is set in, what, 20, 2012, 2013, somewhere around there, I think. Yeah, okay. I, I thought, I think that... It said the little caption thing at the beginning. I think it said 2011 was when people lost their jobs. So I, okay. I don't know if this was like immediately following or if it was, yeah, the, the few years after. Okay. But it's like set in, not in 2021 or 2020, but it's set fairly recently and, you know, mm-hmm. back in, in, the, in the early 2010s, basically. So we have some critics reviews now. First up is Tiber of the Boston Globe, who says Nomadland balances with spine tingling grace between respect for that restlessness of spirit and longing for a society that has any notion of how to care for it. Yes, I have more to comment on that in our likes section. Next up is Brian Lowry of CNN.com, who says Zhao's movie, that's the director, Chloe Zhao, is really defined by its texture and tone, and there's not a whole lot of meat or momentum to the story. Ultimately, it's a window into a way of life that will seem foreign to most in the modern age. I think that's a good summation of of the movie Mm -hmm. there. Uh, Next up is Johnny Olinsky of the New York Post, who says Fern and Francis McDormand are a window into a painful corner of America that is all too easy to look away from. Good for Zal for pointing her camera directly at it. I do have to give her props for that. There are not very many movies made about nomads and people living in trailers Mm -hmm. or in vans or moving from place to place across the country. So the fact that this movie addresses that is really interesting because it's a lifestyle that I didn't really know a whole lot about before watching this movie and definitely learned more about from from watching this film. And then finally, we have Marjorie Bumgarter of the Austin Chronicle, who says, McDermott turns Fern into a great protagonist, but she lacks narrative direction. By the end, Nomadland frustrating, uh, frustratingly wanders off the edge of the map. Mm. Yeah, that is another thing we'll talk about in our likes and dislikes as well. So... This movie is directed by Chloe Zhao. She is a Chinese film director, screenwriter, and producer. She also directed The Rider, which I have not seen, but is supposed to be very good. Um, I just have not watched that movie, but it's on my list. Uh, Songs My Brothers Taught Me. And she's also directing Marvel's Eternals, which will be out later this year, all things uh, willing. Um, Hopefully with COVID, that can release (laughs) on time. So I think it's really interesting that she did kind of this smaller budget movie. And then Marvel has also said, here, handle this to 
$250 million, you know, big superhero epic. So if she can pull that off and she can pull this off, then that is very impressive um, and tells me that she can do a lot of different directing styles and different types of movies. And she's she's still fairly young. She's only 38. So she still has a lot of her career ahead of her as well. So and always cool to see a woman director as well, because I think we need more of those. and they They make good movies. So. With that, we'll take a quick break here on the show, and then we'll come back talk about the cast for this episode, uh, for this movie, and also our likes and dislikes for Nomadland here on the Silver Screen Podcast. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about Nomadland. And this movie doesn't have a huge cast in it. It has a, a large number of people that, that pop up kind of throughout the movie, but the main person you're following is Frances McDormand, and she plays Fern in the movie. Yes, Frances McDormand is a very well-known actress. She has also starred in Almost Famous, Fargo, Moonrise Kingdom, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, Raising Arizona, and Burn After Reading. And she's been nominated for five acting Oscars, and she's already won twice. She won Best Actress in 1997 for her role in Fargo, and that is Fargo the movie, not the TV show. Mm -hmm. And again, in 2018 for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, she has three upcoming projects listed, including women talking the tragedy of Macbeth and our highly anticipated the French dispatch, which I think Jared and I talk about at least every other episode (laughs) of the podcast. I mean, the movie has like 60 people in it. So it's it's rare that we go an episode without mentioning somebody that's going to be in that movie. So, (laughs) and we both, we both think we're going to like it because we typically like those films. So yeah, like other Wes Anderson movies. So, I would yes. I would think I would like that one. So, <laughs> and next up we have David Strahan. I love this man. He plays Dave. I am a longtime fan of his because he. I do think he's handsome. I think he's one of those silver foxes. But also, he has a really distinctive voice. And when I looked him up on IMDb, it even said he's known like one of his traits is having a commanding voice. Mm-hmm. You probably have seen him in Good Night and Good Luck, Lincoln, Godzilla or L.A. Confidential. He has been nominated for a Best Acting Oscar for his performance in Good Night and Good Luck in 2006. He has two upcoming projects listed, including Nightmare Alley and The Gettysburg Address. Is The Gettysburg Address the sequel to Lincoln? <laughs> I Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. Probably not, because I'm pretty sure at the end so. of Lincoln, Lincoln dies, which, I mean, not a spoiler alert, that happened in real life, so right, that, he was a yep, president. That was a so, president. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but interesting that he will be in another movie that's yes. theoretically about Abraham Lincoln, or something to do with him. You know what? It could always be one of those things, too, where they allude to the Gettysburg Address, and it really only has to do, it's a movie about like the legal system or something. You know? Yeah, I'm trying to look it up here and see uh, what it might be about, because I want to... I want to know, but uh, yes, I don't please think let this me is know. going to be helpful. This is this come out already? Uh, I don't know. No, I don't think so. This might be what he's in. Yeah, it is. Okay, it, the synopsis says the complete story of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. So, okay, okay I guess we are going to cover Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Now right. it's not that but it's long not like of an a address, <laughs> right? It's just like it just happens to do with that same president. Yes. So this appears to be some sort of like little documentary film where a lot of people are lending their voices to it. And so he is one of the the voices that will be in it. We also have Victor Garber, Michael C. Hall, Jason Alexander, Ed Asner. Wow. So lots of people what a doing cast. Lots of people doing voice work for this movie. So that should be interesting, whatever it comes out. But he loves his Lincoln movies. So <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And that's basically it for the cast. I mean, like we said, other people pop up in the movie, other nomads. Um, they interview some people as well. Um, but those those characters don't really have a lot of screen time. So it really is following the story of Dave and, and Fern throughout the movie. So. Yeah, and I have respect for all the actors too, but they n- none of the other ones are really very recognizable either. So I just kind of really. thought I'll mention these two. You know what's weird though? When you look at IMDb, David Strahan is not even he's not even mentioned on the main page. You have to like seek the full cast, and then it oh, opens geez. up. And he's okay, like, I know. I thought that was very weird, but that's nice because it looks like they're not saying anyone is more important than the other person. I think they're just like here are the people that are in this movie, and he just happens to be near the bottom. Yes. So with that, we'll move on to our likes and dislikes for this movie. Um, The first like for this movie is that I think that this was a good time to release this movie. I think a lot of people thinking about the pandemic, losing their jobs, maybe having to change life situations. That's kind of the point of this movie. This happens after the recession that occurred. Um, And, you know, I think you made the point that people like who are affected by the recession, um, you know, that same thought might be going through people's heads right now while coronavirus is going on. Yeah, this was definitely my favorite thing about the film was the fact that they, like that critic said, pointed a, a lens at people that we're probably not thinking about. Because I even, I've had conversations with some people lately about feeling guilty about getting engaged and planning a wedding and, and doing other like big life events during COVID and also being healthy and employed. And people are like, well, don't feel bad. You shouldn't feel bad. And I'm like, well, I do feel bad because I'm aware that there are so many people who can't do all of those things or can't pay rent or are now homeless or they're going to be homeless because they won't be able to pay their rent or their mortgage. Um, This is not this is not a completely insane concept. I think we just don't like to think about this kind of thing. And also the recession, I think because we're past it kind of somewhat. We don't think about it a lot. And you and I were younger, so it wasn't something that yeah. directly impacted us very much. But it's a real thing that happens and we should be aware of. So I would say that's definitely my favorite thing about the movie. And I think that movies like this, stories like this are important. It's important that they get shared. Yes. Also, all the supporting characters in this movie are a lot of fun. They all have very interesting personalities and they all add a lot of humor to the movie and just fun interactions with Fern. Um, You know, she becomes friends with some ladies that are of similar age to her and she works with some of them. One of the funniest scenes in the movie is they go to like a flea market slash antique show and they just kind of walk around and make comments on things, which I was watching this with Allison and I said, I need a whole movie of like older ladies going to a flea market because I think that would just be a very funny movie. So that they really add a lot of humor and they're all kind of have interesting personalities. And I liked when they would be, you know, on the screen and kind of just just hanging out with Fern at some of these camps or maybe she would meet them while she was out on the road or working a job. She has a couple different jobs in this movie that she has for, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe a couple months at a time. So I really liked the, the supporting cast. I did too. I liked all pretty much all the relationships she had in this film. You know, even in the woman, the woman at the beginning, she asked, Oh, how's your mom doing? How are you doing? They had a really nice conversation. And you're right, all the supporting characters at the flea market. Um, you know, she befriended people that eventually had to move on. She befriended some people who took her in, uh, like Dave, the character of Dave. Eventually she lives with his family for a little while. Um 
And I like that they were able to make light of their situation. The people in this film, at least who they portrayed, seemed really comfortable with living this lifestyle. I certainly am not. I kept thinking throughout the whole thing, like, I would never want to go to the bathroom in a bucket like that daily. Like, I understand desperate times call for desperate measures, but I don't want things like that to be my norm. Um, Or things like not sure where you're going to be able to shower or when, Um, being that cold where you have to sit under 20 blankets to try to stay warm at night. I mean, that just sounds miserable to me, but I did try to be open-minded because um, I think that was probably, I think that was part of the point of this film was to be like, this is a normal lifestyle for some people. This is the way they choose to live. They're not made to live this way. They want to live this way. And we should mention too, that in this movie, there are a few real life nomads. So like the character of Linda May, she's a, Linda is a real life nomad, swanky, Bob Wells is kind of known in the nomad community apparently as well, um, wow. which they kind of go over the fact of like he has these YouTube videos and stuff on how, if you want to live this type of way, how you might do that. So um, they did have some real life nomads in this movie, which I think is is cool because it adds a sense of realism to it. I also think it makes it difficult, though, because they're making they're making a movie. But then, like, if you have real life nomads in there, it almost turns into like a documentary. So it's like, what type of movie do you do you want this to be a documentary more? Or do you want this to be a, a film? So. I think that yeah. kind of that also it helps it and hurts it in some ways. So um, another like I had with the characters is that I liked that Fern and Dave's relationship kind of just naturally grows over time. There's like this friendship like early in the movie. Yeah. They don't really know each other. Um, but throughout the film, I think it's very natural how their friendship progresses and how they start to do more things together and just become like they go on wherever they go. They go to that like state park with those kind of like dunes and rock formations and stuff. And he's like one of the guides there and so they take a tour and some other stuff throughout the movie but I thought I really appreciated that how that how that was written because it just felt like a very natural progression yes I think that's a great point to bring up I enjoyed their relationship as well I ultimately have a dislike about kind of not just their relationship but like what she would accept when when and where she would accept help from people but i'll get into that in our dislikes but i agree with you i thought that it was a very natural progression of how a relationship could start so another like is that Frances mcdormand is obviously really good in this movie um it doesn't really seem like she's acting a whole lot it seems like she could actually be a real life nomad just based on her personality and what we kind of know about her and other things that she's been in you know it seems like she could very much at one point just say yeah i want to do this lifestyle i want to live out on the road for a year or whatever um and just kind of you know visit various nomad camps and hang out with other people so i feel like because she is a she is a you know an actress and a, I would say a pretty well known actress, but she never has come across to me as like somebody that is like a huge celebrity, like with huge star no. status. I don't know why. It's just the way she lives her life and how she's so natural and things like that. Like she's a very good actress, but I've never thought of her as somebody of like as like you know a Scarlett Johansson or a Kate Winslet or a somebody like that. Just because they just seem more of like celebrities to me, where she just dozen that's not a negative towards her it's just how she how she portrays her life and her personality no i completely agree with you i think that she is someone that doesn't seem vain like she never seems and i'm not saying she's ugly i'm saying like she doesn't seem to be someone who is gonna go out of her way to impress you and adhere to all of society standards and there is just not an air of pretentiousness to her she seems very unaffected and unimpressed with the celeb lifestyle and I admire it. And although I know she was acting in this film, I felt like it was so natural. I think that 
it would be completely believable if I heard that Francis McDormand and I she would is she with Joel Cohen? I forget which one. I forget which one. Yeah, I think it's Joel. And then their son, I I could see them living this way, and I wouldn't even be like, oh, that's a weird lifestyle. I'd be like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> Let's see here. I'm trying to see who she is with right I'm now. Pretty yeah, sure Joel, it's Joel. Joel Cohen. Yeah. Yep. Married in 1984. They've been married for quite a while. Yeah. So yeah. Congrats to the two of them. So. Um, another like for this movie is it's not very long, which is always nice. An hour and 45 minutes. I think that is a good length. I think this, if this had been much longer, I would have started to get disinterested with it faster. So I think the length of the movie was was good. Yes, I thought the length was good, too. I, again, will bring this up a little more in dislikes, but I'm with you. Like, I couldn't really tell if this was a documentary or not, but I unfortunately did lose interest a couple of times. So, But I, I think it was a good length in the fact that if it was longer, I would have bowed out. Also, the setting is really cool. They go around to kind of all these different areas of the country. It's more focused in the the western part of the uh, the country, like the American West yeah. kind of. Um, and that's where they are at a lot of times, like these national parks. And the, the setting and the scenery is just like really, really pretty in this movie. Yes, it's beautiful because I think I think she starts in Nevada, but I know that they do a lot, I think, in Arizona but I couldn't really tell what all states that she was in. And I am not someone who is drawn to the desert as a place I want to live in, but it is stunning. And I think that's nice too, because I don't see, I can't recall a lot of movies that I see set in the desert. And I feel like because you and I, I mean, we both live in the Midwest, so we're closer to the East Coast. So I think we think about those states a lot. Mm -hmm, But I feel mm -hmm. like sometimes Midwest people, East Coast people can forget about the states that are like out there in the West, but aren't California, you know, like the states in between, which is where most of this movie is focused in. So to see some of those states and the scenery that they have is was really nice. So I don't really have any other likes. Uh, Do you before we move on to dislikes? No. Okay, cool. Let's go ahead and hit up our dislikes. Uh, my first dislike is, like I said, I think this movie is a little, doesn't know exactly what it wants to be. It kind of teeters the line between a movie and between a documentary. And I think for me, that was one of my dislikes because if it had been just a movie where the entire story was fictional, then I would have accepted that. Or if it had been a documentary that was made by Chloe Zhao about nomads and had more real life nomads in them and how they live and how they, you know, go about their lives, then I would have found that interesting as well. I just thought the mixture of Francis McDormand with real life nomads is kind of interesting in one way, but also detracting and another because like we know that she is not a nomad but we know that she is talking to and having conversations with real life nomads that seem genuine and not really super scripted um you know in the script it's just like they're just kind of talking now they might have been but it seemed like that's where i got the feel of the more of a documentary style movie is it seemed like a lot of these scenes were just kind of natural conversations that these these characters were having so that was kind of a dislike for me i also mentioned that in the likes but i just felt like if it had decided i want to be a movie or or if she had just said i want to make a documentary and then francis mcdormand is not in this and then it's just a documentary about nomads i think that would have been good too but i think the combo is kind of it's a little odd Jared, I could not agree with you more. I because I even think this seemed like a documentary style, and they could have just as easily made Frances McDormand the narrator or the interviewer. She could have gone around and gotten to know people who were nomads. I'm not as bothered by some of the cast being nomads because I can see why a director would justify that and say it adds an air of authenticity and these people are genuine nomads. They're living this lifestyle. What better people to get in a film? But I agree with you that I I felt like. Um, 
I felt like it was teetering so much. And I don't know, maybe Chloe Zhao thought that was like a really good authentic way to do it. But it bothered me much more than I enjoyed that part of it. Um, And it was beautifully done. But ultimately, that took me that that lowered my score quite a bit because I was not I I was just questioning the entire time. Yeah. And it even I mean, they even kind of set it up where like or the interviewer, she is really the interviewer in some ways. Like she's just asking Mm -hmm. these these people about their lives. And then we like see on camera their reactions. But like she's asking them a bunch of questions. So it's like she almost was that role anyway. So it's like you could have very easily turned this into a doc where, like you said, she is just going around and interviewing these people. And then, you know, that like she's just Frances McDormand, but it's not. It's not like a, you know, a fictional story. It's just a real life story at that point. Yes. And then I don't know if this bothered you, but so there, just so everybody knows, there's a scene where she's fully nude in the front. Um, I'm not bothered by this as far as like nudity doesn't offend me. And I would not even say that offended me, but I found it to be completely unnecessary. I am aware that if she is already like going to the bathroom in a bucket, that she's probably like naked in rivers and stuff. And that's how she bathes. I didn't need full frontal nudity to understand that. And Jared, you said it perfectly at the beginning. That took it from a what would very, very easily have been a PG rating to an R. And it just you didn't you didn't need it. No, and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of language in this movie. I remember maybe a little bit, but not not a ton. Um, and then they do cover like how to go to the bathroom if you're a nomad and like you need yeah. a big bucket and stuff like so like that probably would have still gotten it a PG. But like other than that nudity, there's really nothing else in it that is, Mm-mm. you know, controversial. There's no violence. There's not a there's lot no of drugs. language. There's, there's no, no drugs. sexual content. There's no drinking. I mean, they might have a beer once in the movie. I can't remember. But, you know, it's not like, you know, that's a that's a theme that's really portrayed throughout the film. So, yeah, it just seems like that was not necessary. Kind of almost going back to our last movie we reviewed, The Dig, where it had that scene in there at the end of like that love scene that just like felt so out of place that's in a movie exactly that hadn't what had I anything thought. like that. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. And, and I also, um, I know there's this whole movement with like let's normalize women's bodies like they're it's so weird to me too that sometimes we're like what's the big deal about this part of a woman but then if you see this same parts of men it's so much more offensive i just nudity doesn't bother me it's that they lingered so long on this shot and i was like i didn't need 30 full seconds of seeing francis mcdormand naked And I'm not like, again, it's not offensive and it's not that she's gross. I was just like, why did we do this? Why? Yeah. Why did this need to be in here? It just seems unnecessary. So another kind of dislike is that it seems like at least from the, the movie, the sense that you get are that the nomad community is a very helping community. They kind of lean on one another. They have these events where they like barter stuff, like I'll give you this for that. Or, you know, if somebody makes dinner, then they might make it for the whole camp and everybody kind of just eats communally and things like that. So it seems like a, a culture and a lifestyle that is very much, you know, I I will help you, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type thing. Um, but in this movie, multiple times, Francis McDormand basically denies that help or ignores that help or does not accept that help. And that just seems to go kind of against the lifestyle that these people are are living because they seem so much of a, a, a type of community that would support and help one another. Yes, it bothered me. That is my number one dislike of the film was that it didn't seem, um, gosh, what what is the word? Consistent. 
She didn't seem consistent with her pride. Like, I could never figure out when or why she would accept help and times when she wouldn't accept help from people. Like, if she's a very prideful person, I could see her being like, I don't want any help. I don't want blankets. I don't want shelter. I don't want this. But she was so wishy-washy about it. Like, she would she would accept some things, and then she would accept to live with Dave's family for a while, and then she was like, you know what, I'm just leaving, and left in the morning and never spoke to them again. And I just think... You know, these people open their home to you and you're a complete stranger and you have a some sort of a relationship with their father. But the fact that you can't even write them a thank you note or I don't know, like pick some flowers in the yard and leave them on the table for them as a, as a gesture. It was just very strange to me. And ultimately, I felt like this film didn't really go anywhere because of it, because she leaves she leaves that family or whatever, and then she's just kind of on the road again. And I get that there's like some artsy, fartsy way of saying like, well, we just don't know and life's unpredictable. Well, great. But I also feel like what was the point of this film if if there was no change in the main character? And even going back to your point, like she lives with them for a little while and they like give her some money and they're like, you can live here. And she's like, no, I need to live in my van. But yet she still takes right. the money. Like, it's like, that's the whole like pick and choose aspect of like, yeah, I'll, thank you for this, but I cannot do this. Like that is not, you know, no, I need to still live in my van and have that sense of, you know, independence or whatever. And like you said, it seems like the theme is kind of like, get out there and go on adventures, be independent, mm-hmm. you know, don't be stuck in a job that you hate and don't, yeah. you know, don't see the world. Mere, don't be materialistic. Like yeah, don't be but, the average American. But cool. then at the same time, it's also like, you know, don't accept help from other people, you know, be selfish at times, you know, really just quit a, a job just because you don't want to do it anymore, but you don't really know what, you know, your next source of income is going to be things like that. So it's like, it has some good themes, but also has some themes that are contradicting with like the message that is trying to portray. Yes. So, and there was one thing, this is my last thing that I forgot to mention that I did like, um, that I think was useful in the film. When Fern goes to stay with Dave's family, I was so shocked at how not judgmental they were. They mm-hmm. were very like accepting that their dad would kind of have this nomad lifestyle sometimes. And nobody thought it was weird that he decided to live with them for a while and be with his new grandbaby. And the same thing with Fern. Like, I, I maybe this means I am more judgmental, um, which I'm not comfortable with, but that could be the truth. But if somebody, if if my parents were divorced and one of them was, you know, dating some woman and living this nomad lifestyle and she wanted to live there and she just showed up one day, I think I'd be kind of like critical and weary of letting them stay in my house and lending them money or giving them money. And I really appreciated his family because I think it's showing um, this came up in Schitt's Creek, actually just a weird, they were talking about how Schitt's Creek portrays a world where people are not uncomfortable with, with sexuality, but especially people being gay. And that's one of the things they talked about when the show wrapped or whatever. They're like, they don't present this world where people are overly critical and bizarre about that kind of stuff like they are here in America in 2021. I think that was the same thing with Chloe Zhao um, directing this movie is this at least that family in particular and a lot of the supporting characters we see. They showed a way of not being judgmental and pretentious and critical of people who decide to live in a, a somewhat not understood lifestyle in America. 
Yeah, I would I would agree with you. So, and I think that's basically all of our dislikes. We also should mention, we forgot to mention this too, that this movie is based on a book that came out in 2017 that is a non-fiction book. So they're even going back to our point of, is this a documentary? Is this a movie? It's based on right. a non-fiction book. And they're like, we'll keep some of it non-fiction, but we also want to do some fiction too. So just a, just a weird combo. So, yeah. okay, let's go ahead and get on to our grades now for Nomadland. Um, I'm going to give this, I think it was a pretty good movie. It was interesting. I didn't know much about nomads before watching this movie. And I do feel like I learned something about their culture and their lifestyle having watched this. So I think it was beneficial. It was well made, well acted, well edited, you know, all that stuff's there. The script was pretty good. But overall, I think it knocks it down for me because it, again, I don't think it knows what it wants to be. And the other dislikes that we mentioned as well, Fern's character isn't the most likable character and is just kind of interesting in her choices sometimes. Um, and other things that happen in the movie too. So I'm going to give it a 76 out of 100. So I liked it, but I didn't, I didn't love it. It is nominated for some golden globes. Those are tomorrow when we're recording this. So it might win best motion picture drama at the golden globes. You'll know by the time you hear this, if it does or not. But for me, just in really connect with me and resonate with me i think it really could have but i just didn't think it it did yes i so i'm very very close to you i love what you said and i agree with you i didn't know much about a nomad lifestyle i did learn something new and i appreciate when we people make movies about either marginalized people or think well people we just like overlook so i appreciate that chloe Zhao did this i do love it's a female director i love that it's a female driven story um but ultimately i felt like this movie couldn't make a decision on what it was trying to be what the purpose was and I wasn't thrilled with the end like I just felt like it kind of didn't go anywhere it was like watching part of a life not the whole thing start to finish or not there was no um end of a story I guess and that always bothers me when things are just left unfinished so I'm giving it a 78 and I didn't realize until now that's exactly what the audience score is on Rotten Tomatoes right now that's not me trying to copy them but 78 for me it was good but not my favorite yeah, I think that's accurate. And with it being at a seven point, what is it? Seven point five on IMDb. Seven point six. Seven point six. So that's kind of like right in line with our scores, basically. So yeah, I think yeah. that that kind of sums up our thoughts too. I think that's a good good uh, average there. So that's our thoughts on Nomadland. And on the next episode of the Silver Screen Podcast, we will be kind of recapping the Golden Globes, which as we're recording this, as we mentioned, are happening tomorrow on Sunday. So with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosting. So Nomadland is up for some awards and some other things as well. Now, while the Globes aren't as highly regarded as the Oscars, it is still fun to watch that award show and TV and movie people get to come together, which is one of the few award shows that that happens at. So kind of fun. So that'll be our next episode of the show. And then you can follow the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Instagram and Twitter. Just search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook and you'll find us there and also if you don't mind to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast that always helps us out too and we'll read your reviews on the air if you do leave one in apple Podcasts, we'll be sure to give you a shout out on the silver screen podcast so that'll be our next episode of the show kind of recapping and reviewing the golden globes until next time we'd like to thank the academy 